0: Our speaker tonight is our KCS upper school chaplain, chapel worship leader and speaker, and our high school Bible teacher. It is my honor to call on Pastor Kainoa Valente to address our graduates. All right. well, good evening, Pastor Ron, uh, pastoral staff, elders, Uh, Graduates, family, friends, faculty, and staff, uh, I'm honored to be with you all this evening as the commencement speaker for the graduation ceremony of the third graduating class from kahn Christian School, the class of 2018. I was unable to be here for last year's ceremony uh, as I was away uh, for training in the United States Naval Reserve. In fact, about this time uh, last year, I was in a room full of tear gas, uh, where I had the privilege of learning how effective my gas mask was when I was ordered to then remove it and experience all the wonderful effects of tear gas, including, but not limited to, itching and pain in the eyes, sore throat, coughing, difficulty breathing, and excessive mucus. This is probably the one and only time you will hear the word mucus in a commencement speech. Now, my ticket out of the confidence chamber, as it was called, was the ability to recite my name, rank, and social security number in spite of the mild discomfort associated with exposure to chemicals designed to neutralize rioters. (laughs) Suffice it to say, I'd much rather be here with you. Still, one of the lessons that I learned uh, while with the Navy was the importance of core values. The Navy core values enshrined in the sailors' creed are honor, courage, and commitment. They are drilled into every sailor, and they serve as the foundation for the Navy's mission to maintain, train, and equip combat-ready naval forces capable of deterring aggression, winning wars, and maintaining freedom of the seas. Now, what about us? What are the core values that defined Kaimuki Christian School? What are the principles that guide us in accomplishing our unique mission in the world. Because to be honest, if all one desires in an education is the accumulation of knowledge, the ability to perform exceptionally on standardized tests, and acceptance to the finest colleges and universities in the country, and some outside of the country, all of which our graduates have done, then there are a plurality of schools on this island which will provide that for you. One could even bypass school altogether, and simply go across the street to the library and read the great philosophers, learn about scientific discoveries at the uh, subatomic to the cosmological level, engage with the histories of ideas that have brought our civilization to this point in time? If we are going to achieve our mission of educating each child to his or her God-intended potential, then we need to do more than just transmit information to our students. We must. And we have, since the inception of our school 50 years ago, impart values and develop character. So what are these values? Where should we go to find them? What do all of us have, uh, what do all of us who have been involved in your development hope others will see in you as you go out from us into the world, not to conform to it, but to transform it? Well, as a thoroughly and unashamedly Christian school, we go to the Bible. And what we find in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23, is a list of qualities that should come as no surprise to the four of you, as some of you have been here uh, celebrating these three, or these values, every month of school for the last 13 years. Now the passage reads, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law." Now, while that might seem like an extensive uh, list of core values, I'd like for us to briefly, but carefully, examine them one last time before we release you to embody these values as graduates of Kaimuki Christian School. Now, love takes a primacy of place on this list, not merely because it is the first fruit mentioned, but because it is the virtue from which all others proceed what the Apostle Paul called a more excellent way, which in its absence made all of the pious deeds one could possibly do amount to nothing. But what is love? It is perhaps the most misunderstood four-letter word in the English language, in part because of the way we use it. Consider the following two sentences. I love my wife, and I love cheeseburgers. Grammatically, the sentences are quite similar. The subject and verb are the same, and the only difference between the two is the object. And yet, no one would suggest that I love my wife in the same way that I love cheeseburgers. And if I expressed my love for cheeseburgers in the same way that I expressed my love for my wife, then I would need to be committed to an asylum. See, love, according to the Bible, is not merely an expression of preference or sentimentality. The Greek word behind the English word translated as love in this passage is is agape, which Christian ethicist Paul Ramsey defined as the radically disinterested love of a neighbor. In other words, an extravagant love that expects nothing in return. The Bible tells us that God is the embodiment and source of this agape, and that he demonstrated his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. John the Apostle would go on to write that we love because he first loved us. If you want to live out your God-intended potential, then experience, enjoy, and extend the love of God. Joy, like love, can also be mistaken for being merely an emotion and is often confused with happiness. The difference between the two being that happiness is a response to external circumstances whereas joy is an attitude in spite of external circumstances. For example, I am not happy when my kid's room is a big sty. and they can't find a toy they're looking for because of said condition. But the immense joy of being their father can never be eclipsed because I have to constantly nag them about cleanliness and order. Now, the reason for the joy is the relationship with God, established by the aforementioned love of God. This is why the Apostle Paul could write from his captivity in a Philippian jail, Rejoice in the Lord always, because he had found that the ability to joyfully endure any circumstance, whether good or bad, was because of the power of the love of Christ Jesus. If you want to live out your God-intended potential, then find your anchor amidst life's storms in the joy of the Lord. Now, peace is often thought of as the absence of conflict. And while conflicts with others are are often an inescapable reality of relationships, as you guys have discovered in high school, often the most tumultuous conflict is that which is within. Think of all the things that you were anxious about this year. Am I going to get into college? Now that I've gotten into college, how am I going to pay for it? What will happen if I don't pass Mr. Quang's calculus test? The antidote to anxiety, according to Philippians 4, is prayer that leads to peace. Biblical peace is the product of love and joy, a combination of knowing that God loves you enough to answer the, why is this happening to me question of your anxiety, and the unwavering attitude of joy that answers the question, how am I going to get through this? If you want to live out your God-intended potential, then let the peace of Christ not only rule, but steady your hearts. We now turn from the fruits that are Godward in direction to those which directly extend to those around us. Patience, we have been told, is a virtue. And we often think about it as the ability to wait. However, there's more to the idea of patience than just being able to wait for your drink order at Starbucks during rush hour without complaining. In fact, in years gone by, the the Greek word behind patience uh, was often translated as long-suffering. And since each of you, like me, uh, have a younger sibling or siblings, I don't need to belabor the point of what it means to put up with someone who gets on your very last nerve, then slips on a pair of ice skates and repeatedly jumps up and down on that nerve. But I will add that to do so for someone who is related to you and in whom you have a vested interest is much easier than doing so for a stranger, which is why the Holy Spirit must be called in to provide a supernatural quality to that patience. If you want to live your God-intended potential, then be patient and suffer fools gladly. Kindness and goodness are two sides of what is essentially the same coin. Where kindness is a gracious disposition towards others, goodness is the generous application of that kindness in words and in actions. Again, these qualities are easy to display to those whom we love, but as Jesus said, what credit is that to you? If you want to live out your God-intended potential, then show kindness and be good to those, especially those who may never repay you. And finally, we turn from the outward fruits that are concerned with the welfare of others, the fruits which address our inner selves. Faithfulness is the quality of being dependable, to be someone in whom others can put their trust. Faithfulness finds its root in the faithfulness of God, who, when we are faithless, is yet faithful all the more. Be the kind of person who, I don't know, when the tears of another roll down their pillow like a river, you'll be there for them. If you want to live out your God-intended potential, then be always faithful. The word for gentleness used to be translated as, as meekness, which makes gentleness an odd candidate for a value to espouse, but that is only because we have a connotation of the word that is counter to what gentleness actually is. As trite as it sounds, meekness is not weakness. Consider Moses, of whom the book the Numbers said was, was very meek, and Jesus, who described himself as meek and lowly of heart. However, Moses, upon witnessing the people of Israel engaging in idolatry, threw down the tablets uh, containing the commands of God. And Jesus, upon encountering fraud at the temple, overturned tables and used a whip of cords to drive out the shady dealers. Demonstrations of weakness, these certainly were not. Gentleness is the controlled use of strength. Just as wisdom is the proper use of knowledge, so is gentleness the proper application of power. If you want to live out your God-intended potential, then develop a gentleness that will exercise its strength where and when appropriate. And finally, we come to self-control, which, if we are honest with ourselves, is probably among the hardest of the fruit to live out. But this is as it should be. These are the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruit of ourselves. If we are to truly develop self-control, we will need to do so in conjunction with the Spirit's daily work in our lives. And if you want to live out your God-intended potential, submit yourself to the Holy Spirit in pursuit of self-control. Now, full disclosure, I tend to approach commencement speeches the same way I approach weddings. I do not pretend that the bride and groom are hanging on my every word, even though maybe they should because I know that they are far more excited about the festivities to come. And I know that you are all excited to receive your diplomas, receive lay from your family and friends, and head off to project graduation. So I have tried to listen to the advice of one of my mentors, Pastor Chris Johnson, who told me always to be brief and amazing. Well, if I have been neither brief nor amazing, then I at least want to be clear. If you remember only one thing of what I'm sharing with you this evening, remember this. Fruit is for the benefit of others. Fruit is for the benefit of others. As Warren Wiersbe put it so eloquently, we must remember that this fruit is produced to be eaten, not to be admired and put on display. People around us are starving for love, joy, peace, and all the other graces of the Spirit. When they find them in our lives, they know that we have something that they lack. We do not bear fruit for our own consumption. We bear fruit that others might be fed and helped and that Christ might be glorified. In closing, a final reflection on fruit, a reflection that might also be of some practical advice seeing that you are all of driving age. There is a fruit metaphor that applies to a car that when bought brand new is plagued by so many manufacturing defects that it is rendered unsafe or undrivable. It fails to achieve the purpose for which it was designed. It is therefore worthless. It is a lemon. You, each of you, it's not a lemon. You have been educated, challenged, and nurtured over the course of your time with us at Kaimuki Christian School. And in as much as you embody the fruit of the Spirit, you will achieve your God-intended potential. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. There is no limit against these things. And there is no limit to the good you can do in this world as you live by them. May God bless you in your future endeavors.